The blast from our past network. Welcome to Comics Underground, a podcast discussing comic books, graphic novels, and more. I'm your host, John Spees, and with me today is Mr. Johnny DC. Johnny, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Happy to be here. Awesome. For the folks at home who may not know you, uh, please uh, introduce yourself and your podcast, sir. Uh, well, my name is Jonathan. I go by Johnny DC on as a part of my podcast, uh, which I do with my twin brother. Uh, his name is Joseph, a.k.a. Marvelous Joe. We use the names to help people remember like which comic book company allegiance each of us falls under. I'm the big DC guy. He's the big Marvel fan. So mm-hmm. I'm Johnny DC. But uh, our podcast, Dynamic Duel, is basically us arguing and debating over which cop- over which comic company is better, Marvel or DC. And uh, we run, like, battle speculations between characters. We review Marvel and DC films and television. Uh, it's, it's a weekly show, and we've been doing it since about 2016, so about six years now. Nice. Uh, I have uh, I've finally gotten my son into listening to your podcast. Um he mostly he likes just listening to the duels. Oh yeah. So yeah, and he'll anytime every Tuesday when a new one comes out, he goes, "Okay, who's on? Who's dueling today? Who's on?" And if it's one he want, if it's one he's interested in, we'll listen to it together. Uh, honestly, not, I think I kind of prefer the duels as much as I love reviewing films because I'm a big film buff. I think I prefer the duels just because it helps me learn more about the characters that I've always you know mostly been mm-hmm. familiar with i've been reading comics since since i was a kid but like doing deep dives into characters that that i've only really known in passing is is really fun i mean and that's honestly that's why they're my favorite as well because i'm getting backgrounds on on characters i don't generally know a lot about on both sides of the aisle both marvel mm-hmm. and dc because there's a lot of characters even in marvel even though i I kind of claim I'm a Marvel person, but at, at this point in my life, I'm just a comic book fan. Yeah. And I will read, you know, whatever interests me. And, and honestly, in my pull box, which I finally started doing um, earlier this year, which I hadn't done in a while, um, I'm pulling more DC stuff right now than I am Marvel, because Marvel seems to be focusing more on their movie stuff. So yeah. I, honestly, their, I, their comics, I think, have kind of lacked a little bit. Um, but DC has some really really great stuff i am loving uh tom taylor's nightwing oh yeah it is fantastic um and even uh the superman son of kal-el i've been reading Uh which is unusual because i am not a superman fan really well i feel like you're a rare breed in that you're a marvel fan who reads dc comics because marvel fans are sort of notorious for not reading other comic publishers comics like dc you know that's why they get the nickname marvel zombies because you know they're just dead set on one company and and, and allegiance to only marvel comics Uh, i think a lot of that has to do with you know just the characters marvel has great characters Mm. i would argue though that dc characters um you know i i say that marvel characters are relatable but dc characters are more aspirational um, so someone like Superman, I could see where people would consider him boring, especially Marvel fans, because he's so perfect, because mm-hmm. he's not really relatable or meant to even be relatable. He's he's the pinnacle of humanity, as it were. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's probably there was probably a time in which I would have probably considered myself a Marvel zombie, but I'm I'm too old for that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just I just want to read something good. Yeah, good stories. Um, that's that's what it's what it's all about. And surprisingly, one of the ones that are one one of the ones that I'm reading right now is actually a horror. I guess it's pseudo horror. It's not that horror. It's not that scary. Um, but it's uh, one called The Nice House on the Lake. Hmm. I'm fascinated by it. I was actually turned on to it by uh, the Doctor DC podcast who. Um, by the time this comes out, their episode will have aired, and that's what we talked about was the, the nice house on the lake. Uh-huh. Um, and it's put out by DC's Black Label. Sweet. I, I'm loving the Black Label stuff. Um, I started, yeah. I, I think I picked up, uh, the first one I picked up was uh, Batman Damned. Mm. It was uh, done by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Fantastic okay. book. Really good book. Cool. Um, so today, speaking of Superman... 
we are going to be talking about Superman, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, uh, written by the famous, infamous, quirky, creative, what do you want to call him? Bad Uh, shit crazy. Bad (laughs) shit crazy, Mr. Alan Moore. Uh, and was uh, drawn mostly by Kurt Swan and George Perez. Yeah. Yeah, I think believe George Perez, I think he just did the inks. Uh, I could okay. be mistaken. But yeah, Kurt Swan, you know, he was a longtime Superman artist. Um, and it's it just, it's classic Superman. When you're, when you're looking at it, it doesn't feel it, dated in any way. In, in my opinion, maybe the coloring does. But he was just a fantastic uh, illustrator and, and great with with anatomy and proportion and everything like that and and, mm-hmm. and just you know making a, a cinematic and interesting uh, layouts and and backgrounds and everything. It's funny as I was looking through this, um, the characters are very well drawn and nothing seems weird. And the book came out I think what eighty four eighty six somewhere around. It was there. done in eighty six. This was this came out right before the Crisis on Infinite Earths event. Uh, and it was okay. essentially like this is essentially the last story of Silver Age Superman. Okay, I was gonna say it feels very Silver Age. Yeah. Uh, just in in the way it's presented and the writing and everything. Like if I didn't know it came out in '86, I might have guessed that it had come out in the early '70s or even the late '60s. Just the way that they wrote, it, the way that he wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's not familiar with whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, it is a poignant look and look at superman's life and a closure to sort of the the silver age arc of superman crisis on infinite earths of course rebooted they rebooted dc's continuity and actually after this comic uh they kind of started from scratch with john byrne and he kind of retold the entire mythos from scratch um so they were given this opportunity to sort of kill Superman or let him die because he was going to be rebooted anyway. Um, so Ellen Moore kind of ran with, with all of these, fa- with all of these fantastic elements of Superman from his past. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a really somber look at his life and his, his friends and everything like that. So how were you introduced to this book? Actually, it was during a time when I not sh- actually it was not too long after I first read Watchmen, I kind of got on this Alan Moore kick because okay, in my opinion, he is the best writer in comics like him and Neil Gaiman are untouchable when it comes to, to storytelling um, and, and, and plotting. It's, 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 he is a literal genius. So I read Watchmen, I read V for Vendetta and I saw that he had written something for Superman. So I was like, Oh, I have to check this out. It was a quick mm-hmm. two part story, just two issues. And I, I checked and and I read it and, I was just kind of blown away by how good it was and how sad it was and how how just true feeling it felt for a character like Superman, who is, you know, this archetype of a messianic figure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these messianic figures are, are saviors. And that's sort of what repre- and that's sort of what Superman represents is sort of this like salvation and hope that comes when people are in dire need, you know, no matter how bad things can get, whether it's like planet destroying or universe destroying or something more personal, Superman is there to save you. I'm going to read real quick, just a, a, a little blurb from the back. Sure. That uh, I think kind of just encapsulates roughly the story. He's the world's most powerful being, the sole survivor of a doomed planet. He has made the protection of our world his life's work. And though his never-ending battle for truth and justice continues to this day, one question has always haunted his shining legend. How would the story of Superman finally end? Which I, th- I think was a, a, simple, a simple little uh, blurb to give what the story was. And I gotta say, it actually made me excited to read it. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, comic books are serial by nature, right? They mm-hmm. continue, they don't end. So the fact that someone would conceive of an ending to a comic book run, and not only that, a character like Superman, you know, who was the very first superhero, to tell his final story, and it, to, to tell his final story and even conceive of what that would be, I think is just a, a fascinating sort of thought experiment. 
And Ellen Moore did it better than I think anyone has, because there have been other attempts at doing something very similar to this. You know, you'll mm-hmm. find uh, Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman at the tops uh, at the top of many lists of what are, you know, like the top DC storylines of all time. To me, right. though, whatever happened tomorrow, whatever happened to the men of tomorrow has always been much better than All-Star Superman. When I read All-Star Superman, I was like, oh, this is just like not as good as whatever happened to the man of tomorrow in my opinion. And I never quite understood why that one gets, you know, a little bit more clout than, than Alan Moore's take. Well, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'd never heard of this storyline until you said you wanted to, to, to discuss it. I have heard of all Star Superman, but I've also heard several people recommend it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially when they find out that I'm not a Superman fan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, All-Star Superman is is very similar to Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow in that, um, you know, it, it tells the story of, of, you know, Superman, he's about to die. Um, and it's it's a, it's a love letter of sorts to mm-hmm. Superman's Silver Age tales. You have a yeah. lot of Silver Age elements in All-Star Superman. And I think well, that's right why here. a lot of people like it, because okay. Superman kind of is a classic figure and kind of works really well within like sort of like a modern uh framework but yeah a lot of people haven't heard of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow at least you know from from my circles um and Mm -hmm. i think it has to do with the fact that crisis on infinite earths kind of rebooted everything right afterward right so it was kind of this story that didn't really play into canon or continuity at all so people just kind of forgot about it so let's let's talk through the story real quick. Um, we, the story opens up uh, with someone from the planet, or I guess I was thinking the Daily Planet, but they, she just must mean the Daily Planet. She just refers to it as the planet. Yeah. Um, who's come to interview Lois? Apparently, Lois is has remarried. She's got a new last name, um, and he just wants to talk about uh, what happened to Superman uh, for some a memorial. That is that is happening. So clearly, at the beginning, we know he's dead, or at least he's gone. Yeah, it's the anniversary of like Superman's death, essentially. Uh, yeah. Lois Lane is now uh, Lois Elliot, um, yeah. and she's married to a man named Jordan. And <clears throat> she starts um, recounting this story of when Superman, I guess, was he was off doing space stuff for NASA because there was peace on Earth, and then all of a sudden. Shit starts happening, and he comes back. Everything's on fire. Everything's destroyed. People are dead, and it's fucking Bizarro. Yeah, yeah. So Bizarro in the Silver Age, he lived on a uh, planet Bizarro, which was square, mm-hmm. and everything was like backwards. But he decided to come back to Earth because he figured that to be a perfect uh, sort of Bizarro version of Superman and do everything opposite he needed to destroy his homeworld, Planet Bizarro, in the same way that Krypton was destroyed, and then come to Earth, just like in the same way that Superman came to Earth, but as an adult instead of a kid, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's just this this very weird and, and kind of disturbing... Um, well, especially at the end, uh, well, I mean, it's very, it's very quick. It only happens basically within a page, um, you know, Superman encountering Bizarro, and he's telling him that I to be the perfect one, I have to do this, this, and this. And then he goes, but you're alive, so I have to not be alive. And then basically just kills himself. Yeah, right in front which of was, Superman. Which was, yeah, which was very dark, and I was honestly a little shocked yeah. about. Yeah, that's, and, that's Alan Moore for you. Like, he's, yeah. <laughs> the guy has no fear. Like, yeah. and, and especially in a story like this where, again, he knows everything is going to be rebooted, so he has almost unlimited freedom to do whatever he wants. To tell yeah. this this to, to kick up to kick off the story with Bizarro like committing suicide in this really sad and kind of heartbreaking way because you, you feel for the guy he's he's funny somewhat lovable he did just kill a bunch of people but he's uh-huh. also you know he he has problems <laughs> he's not Bizar- mentally there right yeah Bizarro is one of those characters that I've never quite understood why he's even there and I realize that older comics kind of they just they wrote a lot of weird things just for the sake of it yeah but i've never i've never i've never read a story 
that has endeared Bizarro to me. I just find him to be a weird character. He is a weird character. He's also kind of meant to be funny, though. That was always okay. kind of his thing was that it's like, oh, he because he always did the unexpected. You never okay. knew what he was going to do next because it was, it was always going to be wacky and bonkers. And, you know, this is his death is very much in keeping with, you know, something wacky that Bizarro would do. It's just much darker. Have you guys done an episode on him yet? Uh, no. No, we haven't. I, I've been wanting to. There's a ton right. of Superman analogs out there in DC that I've wanted to do duels with, like General mm-hmm. Zod or, you know, like Bizarro. It's just finding yeah. good matches to pair him with on, on Marvel's end. And, you know, right. granted, there's a lot of Superman analogs in Marvel, like the Sentry, like Hyperion, like Gladiator. Right. We just we haven't gotten around to them yet, but we will. Okay, for sure. I was to say because I, I would like to hear more about his history. Maybe that would help me to maybe endear the character a little bit more to me. Well, he, he's um, a Superman clone, right? Right. Um, which I think is is just fascinating in general. Um, someone trying to to recreate Superman, and, it, it, Superman with with the intention of you know controlling him and using him as a weapon i think that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting idea so definitely more interesting than say like nuclear man in superman 4 you know oh i don't even know if i actually ever saw superman what? 4 yeah don't you don't need to it's, it's not <laughs> i think i time. saw one and two and i was like i'm good I'm <laughs> yeah good. I'm yeah good. after that it, it does doesn't get yep. better so why even bother right exactly that's honestly and i know there's a lot of haters uh to me for saying this uh, honestly, after Rocky one, I didn't feel like I needed to see any of the other ones. What, dude? Yeah, the I'm, Creed movie. Have you seen the Creed movies? No, I've not seen the Creed movies. I haven't seen anything past Rocky one. Those ones are actually good. You should definitely check those out. <laughs> All right, we'll I see. think <laughs> we'll see. I've heard that some of the later ones are fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Especially the one with like uh, Mr. T or the one with the Russian and everything like that. Yeah, but I just. I haven't had, I haven't had, I haven't felt the need to see the story. It was like I already saw him box once. I don't really need to see him again. <laughs> All right. So, and so I will say this story moves very, very quickly because immediately right afterwards, uh, Clark gets a box and in it are little uh, Superman toys, and they start laser eyeing everything, including Superman's clothes. Yeah. And they and yeah. they think he's they think Clark is dead. Of course, he's dressed up as Clark now, and it is revealed that uh it is Clark Kent is Superman. I did like I want to throw this back on the very on the cover. Um they tell you everything that's going to happen in the story on the cover. Yeah. Uh it tells you Bizarro's coming back. Uh, it says the fearsome funsters and then it even says the killing of Clark Kent and you're like, "Oh, wow, what are they really going to do?" And it is kind of a killing of Clark Kent. It's the killing of the character. Right. of Clark Kent and just leaving Superman. I like that tease though. I do like that tease. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the death of Clark Kent in that it's the death of his alter ego because he was exposed mm-hmm. uh, to a room full of journalists, uh, you know, as him being a journalist. So it was, you're right, this whole book does move very fast. It moves at a really quick clip. Things happen very fast, like right one right, like one thing right after another. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I went into this book not knowing anything about it or its history or its acclaim or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I was super surprised uh, when this happened. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it, Again, it's quick and it's shocking. And it's like, holy cow. Like, why hasn't this happened before? Like, I'm surprised this hasn't <laughs> happened before because it was just so unbelievably easy for the Funsters, uh, Toy Man and... Uh, who was it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Toy Man... And I forget the other guy's name. Prankster. The Toy Man and the Prankster. Yeah. So incredibly easy for the Toy Man and the Prankster to just kind of turn Superman's life upside down in that moment. Yeah. And keep, keeping with Alan Moore's dark side, Superman pulls a dead body out of a box. Yeah. Yeah. It's his childhood friend, Pete Ross, who, of course, knew his identity, who apparently was tortured to death by the Funsters, by Toy Man and the Prankster. And that's how they were able to get the identity of, of Clark Kent, of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we move on from there. Um, he mourns his friend. And then we see uh, Lex Luthor going through a tundra somewhere. I'm not really sure whether he's north or south. 
Um, yeah, I think he's in the Arctic. I, I think yeah. like the the last battle between Superman and Brainiac was was in the near the North Pole. Okay, and he's looking for the last bits of Brainiac, and he finds the head. Um, now I will admit, Brainiac is a character I know very little to nothing about. I've never read a single story with him in it. Well, we did a um, we did a dual episode with uh, Brainiac. We pit him against Ultron. Uh, a few years ago. I do kind of remember that. To me, in my opinion, Brainiac is sort of the ultimate Superman villain. Um, okay. He not, not only is he a physical match for the hero in a way that someone like Lex Luthor isn't, uh, but he's also a lot smarter uh, than Lex Luthor. Um, he, he's, he's probably one of the most fearsome beings in the entire universe. Um, okay. So again, like, talking about surprises when Lex Luthor finds this head of Brainiac all of a sudden, and he thinks it's deactivated. He thinks Brainiac is dead. He's going to try and steal parts from, from this head in order to create his own weaponry and stuff like that. Right away, this thing wakes up the skull, which is kind of terrifying and just like attaches itself to Lex Luthor's head and like takes control of him. This whole story is very, in a way, anticlimactic for Lex Luthor, who is mm-hmm. Superman's one of Superman's primary villains? Mm-hmm. So again, th- very surprising what happens here happens very quick, and it, it's it it makes you feel sorry for Lex. Yeah, which never happens. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot of sympathy for for some of Superman's villains in this story, and, and Superman himself, uh, I think, as well. Just it, mm-hmm. again, it's it's. <laughs> it's not the feel good story of the year. It's it's very no. moving, uh again very poignant. Um and and that's in, and that's involving characters beyond just Superman. Mhm. And uh so we as you know, we see him kind of being forced away by Brainiac and then we move immediately back to the Daily Planet. Um I like that I thought it was funny that Alan uh, Moore threw in a hooker for fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just randomly to some some guy, and then uh, turns out it's a bunch of uh, metallos or people who've been turned into metallos. Metallo is another one that I've heard of but don't know a lot about. Yeah, Metallo. I think in the Silver Age was more of a a cyborg kit. He was a guy with a kryptonite heart and some like okay um, metallic uh, robotic pieces to him. But yeah, apparently Metallo takes just these random people and turns them, and turns them into like sleeper cells. He turns them yeah. into Metello robots, uh, all with kryptonite hearts who all of a sudden storm the daily planet because they, be, because all of his villains know that Clark Kent is Superman now. Right. Yes. So they're yep. going to go after Clark Kent's loved ones, which, which is pretty harrowing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason for having a secret identity is to keep your loved ones as safe as possible. And, uh, Lois gets, accidentally dropped doesn't look like she was pushed out the window but she was definitely dropped out the window typical lois and and of course superman's there to save the day and then he jerks off the tower on top of the <laughs> daily planet that was exactly the thought i had as i was watching the the drawing for this it's got to build up that friction that's exactly what he did <laughs> He turns it into a magnet. Uh, a magnet. It turns it into a magnet. Um, but just that one—the one panel of him rubbing the iron rod—was just made. It just made me laugh. It yeah, I wonder me, if that was like intentional on Alan Moore's part. Just kind of like a slight I would not put it past him. Yeah, totally. I would not put it past him. But no, this is like the most Silver Age moments i feel like of of this mm. entire storyline the way he takes out the metallos by turning the daily planet globe into a giant magnet of course he destroys the daily planet globe uh in the process which i think sort of is just kind of as a superman fan takes you further down the road of you know superman's world is being destroyed you know mm-hmm. his ultra ego is gone now the daily planet this this symbol of of truth and justice in Metropolis is has been destroyed. It's not sad, but it, it is like shocking still, mm-hmm. I feel. Yep. And so he grabs his friends and decides that uh, the Fortress of Solitude is going to be the safest place, takes him down there. Hey, Crypto's back. 
Love crypto. A little crypto Never have enough crypto. <laughs> um, and then a character who I didn't even know existed called uh, Kryptonite Man. Yeah. Is he from Krypton? Uh, no. No, I don't believe he is. Um, okay. He's just... His body emits kryptonite radiation. Okay. Uh, and we see uh, Brainiac. I'm, you know, it's a Luther-Brainiac combo, but at this point it's just Brainiac, so yeah. I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, basically kidnaps Kryptonite Man and decides, you know what, I'm going to take you down there. And, man, we we get some, some somber things going on here. Uh, two of his friends, who I don't know anything about, um, uh, like an older couple. Yeah, Perry White and his wife. Yeah, I have no idea who they are. Perry White is the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and it was kind of weird that Ellen Moore kind of interjected this whole thing about them having marital problems. It, yeah, it, I wondered if that was something that had been built up or if it was just for this issue. I don't know, but it added like this degree of almost like realism to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of course, it, it, it just, you know added more tension to the whole ordeal as it were it gave the 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 side characters like their own kind of conflicts and it didn't touch on them too much but it just added to the whole somber tone of the whole story and uh lois and lana who who have been both loves of his life although admittedly i know the i know lana i don't know that much about the character or at least the character's use in um in the comics Mm mm-hmm I know of Lana from like Smallville. Yeah, but I don't really know. Uh, it, I take it from uh, from what it says is that Lana was his love when he was a kid. Yes. Yeah. Just like Smallville, when uh, he was a kid growing up, the lo- the love of his life was Lana Lang. Okay. Of course, in in the Silver Age, she ended up moving to Metropolis, and they became coworkers. Uh, when when Superman, this takes place in an alternate future, right? So right. Uh, she, she in this storyline had moved to Metropolis, became a news anchor along with Superman. You know, he was no longer a newspaper journalist, but did broadcast mm-hmm. news, and they worked together. So they were still pretty close, and it was kind of a nice way to uh, fit her into the story along with with uh, Lois and Pete Ross. You know, mm-hmm. and we can, and this this is where this is where I started to have a little bit of problems with things. Uh, because we get visitors from the future. Oh yeah, the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> so this is a callback to uh the Superboy comics. Actually, uh, when Superman was Superboy, he went to the future for a long time, uh, to be a part of the Legion of Superhero team. Uh, Superboy was was a member of of that teen group. Um, so this was you know, he's this was them essentially coming back to say goodbye to their friend without. Mm-hmm letting him know that he was about to die sort of they they, mm-hmm. they give him this clue uh, with that's a statue of him with a phantom zone projector of course he doesn't of realize course. what that is initially and neither did i when i read this i was just like oh he's it's you know it's just a a, a statue of him just a, like a trophy mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah um, but that of course comes into play later so and i, I gotta ask one of the characters is brainiac is it the same Brainiac? No, no. Okay. So Brainiac, uh, no. So Brainiac, he's he's an alien. He comes um, from this planet. Uh, he's a Kaluan, and so mm-hmm. this Brainiac is uh, Brainiac Five, and okay, and, and he's uh, is a Brainiac Five. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry. It's either Brainiac Five or Brainiac Three. Yeah, Brainiac 5. So this Brainiac, this is Brainiac 5. This is his uh, descendant, as it were. Um, oh, okay. The, the Brainiac that's possessing Luther right now, um, or at least, like, you know, the the computerized version of that, mm-hmm. he is Brainiac 5's ancestor. Okay. I kind of get it. I'll, 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 give it a, I'll give it a pass this time. His power is that he's just really smart. Uh, that's, what, that's how he contributes to the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, they gave him uh, a gift, a little trophy, and uh, Kara is among them. And I, I know Kara from the horrible <laughs> Supergirl movie. <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Uh, but apparently she's dead in this reality. 
Right. Uh, and so. I think that might have been um, foreshadowing what happens in Crisis on Infinite Earths when, when she dies in that storyline. Okay. Um, but yeah, Superman, he's kind of miffed that he, he was very shocked when, when she appeared. I was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm with the Legion right now. We're, you know, where am I in, in this timeline? Or, you know, he has to explain that she's in the past. It's, it's kind of another heartbreaking kind of element that, that Supergirl has already died. And uh, Superman really doesn't get to say goodbye to her because he doesn't want to tell her her own future because that mm-hmm. could, you know, jeopardize it. So, yeah. And we we end up with a, a a full page panel of Superman sitting down crying, which is something we've I've never seen ever happen. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, very rare. I actually can't think of another time I've seen it. Um, he of course just has this sense of doom that mm-hmm. everything is going horribly wrong and that he's probably oh. going to die. Brainiac kind of hints at it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, unintentionally. He, he hints at it without actually saying it. So right, right. Um, it, Superman kind of realized that hey, they're visiting him because they're they're there to say goodbye and pay their final respects, as it were, before he actually is dead. So yep. seeing this this man of steel cry and sort of fear for his own death is is it's almost like like uh, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, just mm-hmm. like sort of distressed over what he knows is going to happen. There's nothing he could do about it, but it's, it's going to happen. And I, I imagine, so they did this, uh, this is a two part series. As you mentioned, the, the first one was released on the actual Superman comic. And the second one was released on action comics. Yes. Um, I can't, I can imagine seeing this final panel of the Superman comic and then realizing you probably had to wait, uh, a month for the next thing to come out unless they released them both at the same time. I think they came out like one came out a week after the other. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think you had um, to wait too long. Um, it's, it's still though, like that's a, that's a pretty big, uh, seeing, you know, ending with a Superman crying is a pretty big thing to end on. Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and even the cover for the next issue, where it's like Superman flying toward you with this sad face and all of his friends are on top of the Daily Planet and they're saying, goodbye, Superman, we'll miss you. You know, I will give it completely to Kurt Swan on this. It absolutely does look like he is um, like sad or upset Yeah, in that panel. That's a that's a very good job of, of kind of portraying emotion there. He is one of the best uh, artists, I feel, from the Silver Age. Uh, mm-hmm. He's definitely like in the top five top three for sure yeah so start of the second one we cut back to which i guess is it says 1997 yeah um, but the the clothes still look like 1980s because <laughs> <laughs> how you know how would they know right um and we meet uh lois's new husband jordan and he is not too keen on superman no no not at all yeah we, we go back to this framed narrative we meet jordan and he he's kind of just this awkward guy. Uh, we don't see too much of him. Um, and and honestly, I didn't really see the twist ending coming with him at all, uh, which is just a credit to how how great Alan Moore is at storytelling mm-hmm. and, and setting up uh, surprises and stuff like that. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I did see the twist coming. Really, but. And here, here's where I think the problem was. If he, if if Jordan had not said anything bad about Superman, I don't think I would have picked up on it. But because he, they overtly go into saying, "Oh, he's nothing special," then it, it hit me. I'm like, "Ooh, this might actually be Superman." Really? Yes. Uh, and, and but like I said, if if he, if they hadn't had said that, I may, I may not have picked up on that clue. Because it, it felt like they went, it felt like they went out of their way for Jordan to say something. Uh, not, I mean, it was you know, it wasn't horrible. He just saying he wasn't, he weren't nothing special. Yeah, uh, which I can't say that without putting some sort of southern accent on. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's how I read it too. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's actually what kind of what helps sell me on the idea or or hide the fact that you know this is this is actually Superman. Mm. I didn't know this was Superman. I totally just 
I hated this guy. That's all I knew. Yeah. I was like, Lois, you deserve better than this asshole. <laughs> well, I, here's the thing. At this point, I'm older. I've read a lot more comics. So a twist is not new to me. Uh-huh. If I'd read this when I was younger, I bet it would have gone past me. Um, but at this point, I'm I'm like, because it felt like there's no reason for him to be hateful towards Superman. And if, if he is, then it, uh, it it just it was a clue. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know for sure, but I was like, I'm going to bet that this is what happens. Well, the other big um, clue that I kind of realized after the fact I should have noticed earlier was his name. His name is Jordan, uh, Jordan, his name is Jordan Elliott, you know, which uh-huh. is Jor-El, essentially, which is fitting uh, because it's his father's I, name. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, so in, in, in this comic, this is the first time we've ever really seen Superman as a father. Um, mm-hmm. This is the first time. This is the first appearance of Jonathan uh, Elliot, I guess his son Jonathan, uh, which is which See, is interesting. That was the other problem. Is I knew that they had a kid named Jonathan, and they uh, mentioned Jonathan in that panel. Okay. So I was like, okay, yeah, that was the that was sort of like the nail in the coffin. Where I was like, okay, now I I'm pretty sure that this guy is actually Superman. Well, see, if you had read this in the '80s, that would have been the case because you know, of course, we all know Jonathan Kent as Superboy now. But mm-hmm. that is actually, you know, an homage to to this, right? Um, if I had read this in the eighties, I would have been five. <laughs> I would not have out. existed. This this came out the year I was born. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> just kind of move through um, a lot of this. What's in this next one is just kind of like battles. Yes. Um, yeah, it's very action heavy. Yeah. Uh, we also see the Legion of. Super villains show yes. up. Yeah. And they they want to be here to witness and help, which I am guess is very nice of them to show up. <laughs> it's kind and of it's kind of strange. Uh they of course are, are enemies of the the Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. They have their own counterparts uh it, to I was going to say if they weren't the villains of the Legion of of Superheroes, I was going to have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty obvious. Um but uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it kind of made sense that since the Legion of Superheroes knew what was going to happen, that the villains would also know, and they would, you know, of mm-hmm. course, want to go back in time and, and help in a way. And uh, they put up Brainiac puts up this big dome um, to keep everyone out and to keep everyone in. Uh, we do get a cool little panel of. You know, Batman and Robin and Wonder Woman beaten down on the thing. I see Shazam, and then I see two characters who I have no idea who they are. Yeah, honestly, I don't know who they are either. One of them does Actually, look almost like one, Superwoman. I think I that what it is, because I think we see her again later, and he refers to her as Superwoman, now okay. that I see that. Um, but the other guy, I have no idea who that is, other than he looks like he's wearing um, uh, a Speedo <laughs> and thigh-high leggings. I, I thought... That was Vibe, but of course he wasn't created by the time this came out. I have no idea who that is. Um, and then we get this poignant little moment where, you know, Superman goes in and talks with, um, oh God, what's that guy's name? Perry White. Perry White, yeah. And he tells him, I'm scared. At, like, this, at this point, it's endearing Superman to me, which something that never really happens. Yeah, um, right? I mean, Superman is never really depicted as vulnerable. Yeah. Again, he he's he's this hopeful figure who can save anybody from anything and is invulnerable, indestructible. He he, he to see him sort of beat down emotionally is definitely mm-hmm. unique and I think very unique and novel. Uh, I think to the story and, and it's one of the reasons why I, I think it's, it's so important and so interesting. And so b- because of how unique it is, mm-hmm. like um, even in all-star Superman, like you didn't see Superman cry or anything like right. that. He, he took his death like a champ, right. um, which, which is great for the character, but in terms of people who have trouble relating to Superman, uh, there is a level of humanity expressed uh, through Alan Moore's writing in the character mm-hmm. that I don't think we've ever seen since. I, and I will say, and not to say that the art wasn't great, but the size of Superman and All-Star Superman also did not make him uh, relatable because he was, like, monstrous. Oh, yeah, Frank Quietly. Yeah. He's 
he's a good artist. Um, there was nothing wrong with the art. Like he, Superman looked good. Every, everything about it looked good. It's just that I definitely can't relate with someone who's bulked <laughs> out like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lana and Jimmy have decided uh, they're not going to sit around. No, they're gonna they're gonna take action. Uh, Jimmy takes some elastro, elastic lad serum, and uh, Lana gets naked. Hey, yes, she does. <laughs> Uh, she just decides to go sit in. At the before I read it, I'm like, oh god, it's a Lazarus pit. But no, it wasn't a Lazarus pit. No, no. Um, it was some sort of radiated pool of some kind. Right. And it give, basically it looks like it just basically gives her Superman's powers. Uh, yeah, yeah. It gives him like all of his strength and flight and stuff like that, but without his weaknesses, like mm-hmm. like Kryptonite or anything like that. This is a callback to moments in the Silver Age when these characters actually did. Uh, get superpowers. Of course, this takes place in the future, so they haven't done that for a while. But right. uh, yeah, th- there were times uh, in the comics, and even like recently in the comics, um, when these characters have been given superpowers. And I do like that. <clears throat> the last thing that Lana mentions getting is super hearing, and then we cut to Superman's again talking with Perry, and she can hear him, and she can hear how he feels. And I, yeah. I did, I, I really did like that vulnerable moment. Because uh, then she decides, you know what, I, we're we're gonna do this for him. Yeah, yeah. She was like, you know what, I I may not be, you know, the love of Superman's life anymore, but I still love him, and nobody has has loved him more than me, more than more than you know us. He she tells to Jimmy, so yep. they still go out and and fight for him because it, yeah. it shows that she really did love him. Yeah, she really did. Um, and <laughs> this next little fight part made me laugh. First off. She basically bitch slaps uh, Kryptonite Boy into submission, and <laughs> yeah. then she it's judo- an open palm. <laughs> yeah, and then she judo chops Lex Luthor's neck, and essentially what we think of is kills him. I mean, yeah. she basically kind of does. Yeah, yeah, L- 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 yeah. Lana Lang was not fucking around uh, no. on this page. Um, she she basically takes out both of Superman's villains. She 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 does what he can't. Right, yeah. she kills them. So, but then she she's taken out by the Legion. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Jimmy Olsen, of course, takes down the the force field. Yep, or so uh, he thinks. So he thinks, and then he's shot in the back by Brainiac. He wasn't really dead. Well, Brainiac's not dead. I'm pretty sure Lex Luthor is actually dead. Uh, he is. Bra- Brainiac is just using the body at this point, which is horrifying. He's he's like. <laughs> This undead zombie that's like yeah. this puppet, like a dead and, puppet. Yeah, it's, and it's crazy. A, again, Kurt Swan does a really good job of portraying essentially what is a dead body being reanimated. Yeah, yeah. His his body language. He's he's great with that. He's great with facial expressions and body language. He's mm-hmm. he's a master. And we get a quick, fun little cameo of uh, some of the other heroes. We see Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, Hawkman. Um, admittedly, uh, Justice League is not a story I've read a lot. However, I did. There was a run that was just done uh, last year called uh, Justice League Last Ride. It's kind of like this, where it's like a one-off story that doesn't take place in the main continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh man, I could not get enough of that one. Every every month when a new issue came out, I was on top of that one. I found you know, that to be a great great story. I so, re- like so much so where I was like, man, I really wish this was like main continuity just because I'm really enjoying this. Right. Some of my favorite stories, admittedly, are these Elseworld stories, like one-offs. Um mm-hmm. and not that not that whatever happened to the matter of tomorrow is an Elseworld story. Um but it, you know, it was separate from from the the normal DC timeline, timeline and that it was an alternate future. Yeah. Um, but the, these stories are some of my favorite because you're not bound to really any rules. You could almost do anything you want, uh, as shown in in this this story. It's a great example of what what Alan Moore could do without rules with, yeah. with this character, essentially. Um, yeah. in in a way. <laughs> Sometimes, like, it's hard to get into main continuity comic book storylines because I know in a few years, like, whatever's happening now may not actually matter. 
Right. Um, you know, there's going to be a new writer with a new artist who want to shake things up and, and change things. And, you know, so I, I tend to read a lot more older comics, especially now as part of the podcast, as part of, research, of, of the research I do for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm not fully caught up to date with, with all of the DC comics, um, but I, I do hold a lot of Elseworlds stories. Uh, they hold a special place in my heart. Uh, my yep. favorite comic is actually like Kingdom Come. Uh, which which is that, an I, story. I read that one. That was a fantastic story. Yeah, yeah. Of I course, enjoy that, that one. like this sort of tells the end of of the super of the superheroes in DC, mm-hmm. um, like Superman, like Wonder Woman. Um, there's just something about the culmination of an arc that's just very bittersweet. Yeah. Um. So we get it. We get a nice. Speaking of bittersweet, or well, I guess at least sweet, uh, we get a little moment where um, Perry saves Alice despite the fact that they've been fighting, uh, keeps her from getting killed, and yeah. tells her that he he does still love her. So a yeah. nice little moment, uh, kind of bringing that story, you know, around to an end. Um, Kryptonite Man comes in and is I basically mauled to death by Crypto. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Lana Ling didn't kill. Uh, yeah, Lana Ling didn't kill Kryptonite Man. It was it was Crypto. Which yeah, that's right. He, he, it's hard to watch this this whole scene. I mean, Crypto is he's you know defending the Fortress of Solitude like a good boy. Um, but as he kills Kryptonite Man, he succumbs to Kryptonite poisoning himself and dies. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, it was pretty sad. I will say they could only have done this sort of thing with Kryptonite Man because when he's bleeding out, it's green, and I can I can assure you they were not going to do something with red blood everywhere. Oh right. So it, oh, it made sense true. to me that 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 it was going to be somebody like Kryptonite Man who you know whose blood was so radiated it was green and not human. Yeah. Um, which is you know. Which is why we know, like in care in in comics, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Foot Clan is people, but in the cartoon they changed it to robots so that it wouldn't look horrifying to children to have you know people having their hands and heads cut off. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, and with this, the the Comics Code Authority was still ongoing, so I don't think you could even show uh, that amount of blood that we see. Uh, coming out of the kryptonite man if it was red you know mm-hmm. so yeah, that, yeah that's a good point about it being green but of course crypto's death is sort of almost like the final straw for superman uh, he just gets super pissed off and well and the legion tells them that they basically killed lana and that i mean yeah he, he is not happy about that right and, right right <laughs> what i found to be funny was he basically tries to laser eye them and they, he kind of, you know, hits one of them and just kind of burns them. And then they're shocked when he attacks them. <laughs> like, really? You, you you killed one of his loves, and now you're surprised that he's trying to laser eye you to death? Exactly. He's like, oh, he, he isn't bluffing. I think they were just so surprised because they know that Superman doesn't kill. So I think they yeah. felt safe in a way. But once he starts, like, shooting them with his, his laser vision, they're like, oh, shit, just got real. And you know, yep. they run away. And then uh, Superman and, and Lois kind of confront what's left of Brainiac, but there's not much there. Lex fall, just kind of finally falls over. Yeah. And Brainiac tries to run away, and he's got nothing else there. And it's just, I guess they say he's dead. I don't really know why he would have been dead now and not before, but I'll let it run. Well, Rigor. Mortis set in with Lex Luthor, uh, just like the stiffness stiffness of the body once you die. Right. Like no, no, it, well, my concern not my concern, but my confusion is is that Lex found the head in the snow and the, the head was still alive. So if if uh, Brainiac now has is you know Lex is dead, so Brainiac falls off of Lex. Why would the Brainiac now be dead? Because he wasn't before. I, I think he's not really dead. I think he just kind of went dormant again without a host like Lex Luthor. Okay, okay, yeah. I'll 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 allow that. It's very anticlimactic, admittedly, for as much shit yeah. that Brainiac has put <clears throat> Superman through in this issue. Um, but in a way, it's I almost find that more poetic uh, because he turns out he's not the ultimate villain here. 
Um, no, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about this because they. it turns out it is some guy whose name I can't pronounce. I just called him Rumpelstiltskin because um, I couldn't figure out his name. Mixie Spitalik. Yeah, sure. Bless you. Um, <laughs> um, and this is definitely a character I've never seen before. Oh, really? Yeah. Like not even in the cartoon or anything like that? No, I did not watch the Superman cartoon. Oh, I, okay. I so, watched like the Batman cartoon, and then that was pretty much it. Okay. Mr. Mixia Spitalik is a fifth dimensional uh, imp, as it were. Okay. Um, he could basically alter reality. He's insanely powerful, uh, but like Rumpelstiltskin, the way you get rid of him uh, is by saying his name. Actually, you have to say it backwards uh, in, in his case. But uh, this is the first time we're really seeing Mixia Spitalik like this sinister. Usually mm-hmm. he's very, very cartoony, but uh, Kurt Swan in this book depicted him as like a very kind of dour looking older man, which mm-hmm. was, which interesting. He looked, he looks more sinister for sure. We've never yeah. seen Mr. Mix, Mixia Spitalik this sinister. And you definitely get, you do get the sense, even knowing nothing about the character, you do get the sense that this was out of character for him. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Superman is surprised that essentially that it's him and, and, uh, Rumpelstiltskin just goes, I'm just, I'm not going to try and learn that name. <laughs> uh, basically, like, you know what? I'm bored. I yeah. sat around for 2,000 years, did nothing. Then I just tried to be, you know, mischievous. And I'm like, you know what? Now it's time to be evil. And I, I'm not going to lie. If I was stuck sitting around doing nothing for 2,000 years, I might turn evil too. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's, out it's, of boredom. It's an interesting twist and sort of an interesting rationale as to why everything is going wrong all at once. He's sort of orchestrating everything behind the scenes. They attempted something uh, similar recently in the comics during Superman Rebirth, where it was like, ta-da, Mr. Mixia Spitalik is is kind of revealed to to be orchestrating a whole bunch of stuff uh, Mm -hmm. that's kind of ruining Superman's life. Um, And I I think that's probably, again, uh, inspired by by this work. This this book, these two issues... I feel like inspired so much of mm-hmm. of Superman's comics, um, even you know again even recently. Yeah, and uh, he turns into like this sort of demonic, almost looking dimensional being. And I do like here, you know, every everything has moved moves fast. You know, Moore's got to get all this stuff done in two two issues. Right. So a lot of things are moving fast, including like we basically meet. Mitzel Spittledick uh, <laughs> in one page, and then he basically dead two pages later. Yes. Um, but I did like that it was basically Lois who puts together the connection of why he's holding the uh, the dimensional gun shit on the on the on the uh, trophy. Yeah, the the Phantom Zone projector. Yeah, that thing. Um, <laughs> and because she's basically like, look what he's holding, and then he goes, oh yeah, boom, goes and gets it, and I, I, you know what? I really liked that that uh, they basically uh, he tries to put him in the fan zone at the same time that uh, Spittledick um, <laughs> tries to go back to his dimension and basically just rips himself in half. Yeah, yeah he's torn between dimensions. And the thing is, is does that. He says he's dead, but is he really dead, or is he just torn between dimensions? He's definitely dead. Um, okay. They definitely apply it because uh, I think Superman explicitly says that I killed him, you know? Yeah. Um, which was a good way to kill this being who's essentially immortal and, and can't be killed, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Superman, he feels super guilty over this because he kind of broke his one rule. He committed this, like, one major sin that he has sworn to never do. Um, and this was before like Superman, you know, in the, the comics later on killed like General Zod with kryptonite or anything like that. This mm-hmm. was the first time we ever really saw him kill in, in, in since, you know, in the silver age. Um, Leave it to Alan Moore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, and uh, it seems like it's too much for him to bear. And he right. basically goes into the gold kryptonite sample storage chamber, never to come out again. And so we're kind of led to believe that he basically commits suicide, which in itself is very dark. 
Yeah. So yeah, he goes into the gold kryptonite chamber, which which doesn't kill him, but it depowers him. I think part mm-hmm. of this was inspired by Superman two. Okay. Or or maybe I don't know, maybe Superman two was inspired by, you know, a previous Silver Age story that included right. the same crypt gold kryptonite room or something. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, it's it's so he goes in there and then he, he never comes out essentially. They they go in there to look for him. And they suspect that there was like a back door where he kind of escaped and died in the Arctic uh, right. as a human man. So, and then we cut back to our modern time. We finish up the interview, and we're left with uh, Jordan and Lois just kind of chatting. And Baby Jonathan is uh, squeezing some rocks. <laughs> yeah, some coal for the fireplace. I guess they didn't have gas fireplaces in this future timeline no apparently in the yeah in the 90s somehow we went backwards <laughs> like burning coal in your home is like really unhealthy <laughs> yeah nah, i definitely wouldn't recommend it yeah uh, but he squeezes clear- one into a, a diamond so then yep. we reclude into the fact that holy shit is this superman's son he even has like the spit curl yes and the the blue hair right as it were um, and I, it's kind of funny. We end with, uh, basically Jordan, who we now realize to kind of be Superman, basically breaking the fourth wall. Yes. Uh, wink, winking at us through the door. Um, as I, I don't know, kind of, I couldn't tell if Lois was supposed to be undressing behind there while yes. he closes the door. That's, yes. that's, that's the, uh, in implication I got. Yeah. They're, they're definitely about to, to get down and dirty. They're about to get um, super busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but he's cl- human now. He doesn't have his powers, so that's it's, okay. You know, it could work. So that d- does beg the question: Was Lois pregnant before Superman got rid of his powers, or was his DNA still powerful enough to create a super baby even without his powers? Well, I think the gold kryptonite just depowered him. Uh, maybe it like limited his exposure to to the sun. Although I don't think that was established until John Burns' run. Anyway, okay. I, I, I he's still an alien, right? He's still right. Kryptonian. So I think that's okay. how how Jonathan gets his powers. But the whole wink at the end, the whole the final panel here, uh, I think is just so. To me, it was very heartwarming in knowing that hey, there's still there's still hope. Like Superman yeah. still exists. Like he's still around. He's he didn't actually die, um, and it, it's it's a I think it's a fantastic end to the Silver Age. You know, a lot of people credit the Fantastic Four with starting the Silver Age. I think it was actually uh, Barry Allen as the Flash in in Showcase Comics. A DC so, person would say that, yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it came out before the Fantastic Four, so. Um, but that whole like kind of reboot of these classic golden age characters um, mm-hmm. in in these new costumes and stuff, I think definitely kicked off the Silver Age. So, so for DC to kick off the Silver Age and then end it with this panel, um, I think is is I I can't think of a better way to end it. Honestly, like yeah, Superman's depowered, but he he has everything he wanted in life, and he has a son mm-hmm. with new powers who can save us later and stuff like that. It's it's for as somber and heart as as heartbreaking as the story was, the two issue run, to mm-hmm. have it end on such a high and happy note uh, was fantastic, and I think that's what I really love about this this two part series in general, and why I like it more than like All Star Superman or, or something like that. Uh, Alan Moore is just a fantastic writer, and he could take you to like the lowest of lows. He could take you to some really dark places, but he's also able to give you this great sense of catharsis at the end, which is mm-hmm. what I got reading this. Um, what? and just someone who's able to manipulate your emotions, uh, using these characters that you love and, and doing it. So seemingly effortlessly because it's, it's, it's a pretty simple story. And I, I think a lot of people could have written it. Um, but he, the fact that he was smart enough to, to actually put it down on paper, I think mm-hmm. is, is, uh, again, speaks to his genius and, and makes it a kind of a timeless kind of tale for Superman um, in that this is his possibly alternate future. 
uh, and you know, a lot of these characters are, are still in play in terms of like the villains, like Lex Luthor and Lois Lane and stuff. We all know them even to this day, but, uh, for it to end this way, I, I can't think of a happier ending for Superman. Cool. If you had to give it a rating out of five stars, what would you give it? Oh, this is, this is five stars. This is five <laughs> stars. Like I think, I think uh, I, you guys had done, uh, a top 10 comic book storylines, uh, episode. Yes. And I was really jealous that I didn't get to do the top 10 uh, DC storylines for that episode. So I, I did my own on my own podcast as part of like a Patreon exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was, I think, number five on my top 10 DC storylines of all time. Okay. It's uh, it's 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 fantastic. I, I cool. definitely give it five stars. Um, I will admit um, it the humanity that Moore gave to Superman did help endear this character to me because he's not um, like I like I love the first Superman movie the Christopher Reeves movie I love that movie mm-hmm. um, I'll I will watch it without a problem I've actually gone back and I've started to watch some of the old uh, cartoons like uh, like the Justice League cartoon mm-hmm. um, uh, a few episodes here and there mostly I went back because I wanted to watch the question because I love the question as yeah, a character the question is really cool and <clears throat> Um, I do kind of I, I've I've found some some stories that Superman has been in that I've really liked, but overall I haven't really enjoyed that many Superman stories. Um, this one, there was a lot of che- kind of cheese going on, and that had to do with the fact that things moved really really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some things about some of the writing that did bother me because it I, it felt almost too Silver Age because I felt like the characters were narrating what was happening when they didn't need to. Oh, but, yeah. but the humanity, if you can give a Kryptonian humanity, that Moore did give to Superman in those moments uh, made it a much more identifiable book to to read. And it, I, I think more enjoyable. Um, so unfortunately, this is not going to be a five out of five for me, but it definitely bumped it up from probably what it would have been. Um, and so I'm going to go with a three out of five. Three me. out of five. Three out of five. It's it's a good basically three out of five meaning like I would recommend someone to read this book because of what Moore does with Superman, but I probably will never read this again. I think I think if we had read it when it came out, it would have been much more impactful, much more devastating. I that is possible. in a way I, I do think it was ahead of its time. Uh you mentioned like, you know, the characters speaking narration. I mm-hmm. think this does that a lot less than a lot of uh, Silver Age comics, and, and even comics right. going into the Bronze Age. You'll notice that there's no thought bubbles in in, right. in these comics. Right. Um, he uses just the like rectangle uh, frame narration, uh, which which is very modern. Like in comics nowadays, you very very rarely see thought bubbles, but you used to see them all the time mm-hmm. uh, in older comics, right? Um, and I think that sort of speaks to how ahead of t- its time this comic was. Um, and, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of elements here that, again, have been have been borrowed in, in modern comics that kind of makes it less special when you read it now. But I think, again, in, if if you're a big into comics when this came out, mm-hmm. this would have been groundbreaking. Okay. I think I sort of see it from that approach uh, as, you know, I've, I've read... Uh, a ton of DC comics um, and a lot more older ones recently as, as I've done the, the podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's definitely probably my favorite Superman story of all, of all time. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being a guest on comics underground. I really appreciate it. Please let the folks at home know where they can find you out on the interwebs. Oh, uh, dynamic duel. I, uh, that's D U E L. Uh, you can find us anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts, you know, Spotify, iTunes, uh, or Apple Podcasts now. Um, we aren't as big on social media as we have been in the past. We're primarily on Instagram now, and that's mm-hmm. at uh, Dynamic Duel Podcasts on Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter for like the latest uh, comic book movie uh, and comic book news. Um, so yeah, we're we're kind of in a lot of places. Uh, if you're interested in comic, if you're interested in podcasts, uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find us. All right. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Comics Underground. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.